Amen. Uh, the first thing you should notice in this passage is that there is a great large crowd gathering and following Jesus from town to town. But we got to be careful. Uh, don't confuse the great crowd with spiritual success, because that's obviously Jesus doesn't do that. See, some people might confuse popularity with fruitfulness, but Jesus doesn't. See, what Jesus is after is individuals whose hearts are transformed by the gospel. Individuals who place their faith in him and follow him daily. So when he sees a great, large crowd, he gives a parable. Because in the midst of this crowd, there are going to be multiple responses, even though they hear from the same speaker and the same message. And so we're going to look at these four soils. And I, I really believe that it's going to be a time of not only a warning for us to really check our hearts, but also a time of encouragement as we look at this parable and why Jesus teaches it to the great crowd and the disciples. All right? So that's where we're going. You guys with me? Yes? All right, thank you. Let's go on. The first soil is this. It's a seed on the road, or the hardened heart. It says this in verse 5, and then explain Jesus in verse 12. He says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Jesus explains this by saying, The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Look, uh, just personally, just to tell you, I hate birds. I hate them. Like, they're just disgusting. I don't know if you're in the same boat, like pigeons. I don't know how people eat that in Europe and stuff. Pigeons, seagulls, I hate all of them. And so I think it's very fitting that the analogy is Satan and birds, right? And literally what Jesus is trying to say here is you better wake up to the fact that there is a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual reality that the seed sometimes is brought forth and the enemy is against us. And his sole purpose is that people would not hear the gospel, not accept it, and not want to hear and learn and grow from the seed of God's word. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says this, if you would shoot that up, talking to the church, be sober-minded, right? Be watchful, like know what's going on, right? Your adversary, the enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So really the takeaway here is this. If you have a non-Christian friend, you've been, you've been really just trying to bring to church or you've been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the takeaway is real simple. We have to pray because there is a spiritual reality that Satan is against and he comes to attack and so we need to pray that God will intervene, stop the enemy's attack and bring forth fruit. Uh, I find this very interesting. This is one of the most interesting passages in all of Scripture. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. I don't know if you've ever read this. But in this passage, Jesus actually prays for Simon Peter. He says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith might not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. If Jesus prays against the enemy, against the adversary, we need to be people that pray. Look, there are people in our lives 
that you know uh, needs to hear the freeing message of Jesus Christ, the good news. And you think to yourself, man, maybe you've been doing this for years and they're just not coming to Christ. You need to know that there's a spiritual battle there. It's just not that they're not convinced, but there's spiritually something going on and we need to pray. Uh, I remember when I was in youth ministry, I had one kid. He was horrible. I mean, he was horrible. It was so bad. I mean, I would post the names of all the children that were in my youth group on my wall, and I would pray for them every night, because that's one of the things that I learned that I should be doing. And every time I came to this guy's name, I hate that I did this, but I would look at it and I would say, it's impossible, but I'm gonna pray for him. Like he's not, there's no way. God can't do anything, but I pray for him. And all throughout his youth group years, just, just terrible, I mean, just, he would show up, uh, you know, he would be high sometimes and smell like marijuana and just, just things that it was just like, you know, I would shake my head. Anyways, the last retreat before he was going to move on to college, I was in the back of the worship room, second to last night. I'm just praying for the youth kids that, you know, God would do a work. And all of a sudden, during worship, he comes right in front of me. So I just start to pray for him again. Yeah, I just, you know. But not really believing, you know, it's just like, yeah, you know, God, you know, how long, oh Lord, like, please, like, do something, right? You got to move. And I kid you not, I don't know if this is God trying to encourage me or trying to help me to understand that prayer works or the reality of the spiritual world. This kid started to raise his hands in worship. I had never seen him clap. I had never seen him even try to fake like he was singing in service, and he started to worship God. He got saved. Two years later, we were on the same mission team. Now he attends Brea service, so I won't say his name, so you might see him. But he is doing so well walking with the Lord. It's nothing that I did, but I think there is a spiritual battle where Satan was working and God needed to break through. Look, we need to be people that pray and pray, and if there are people in your lives that you are maybe thinking like, man, it's impossible, you need to know that the enemy is working, and we need to pray that God would work. I love this because I want you to know that God cares and wants those people to come to salvation because the whole point is that the sower sows seed even on the hardened heart because God's desire is that they would come to be saved. So let's continue to pray. Number two, the seed of the rocky ground. It's the shallow or the impulsive hearer, right? Unlike the first group, these people are the ones that receive the message with enthusiasm, right? But their enthusiasm is short-lived. It says this, in verse six, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Now Jesus explains in verse 13 what that means, and he says, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no what? root, right? They believe for a while and time of testing fall away. So this is a person who welcomes the gospel. Maybe there's even an emotional response. They're like crying, they receive Jesus, and for a short time they're trying to do the whole religious thing, but they walk away, why? Because there are trials, because life gets difficult, because what Jesus asked them really to do in their life and to sacrifice, and then when they count the cost, they walk away because there are no roots. Now, what is roots? Well, if you read the Bible, roots really is the daily renewal by looking at the unseen. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says this. 
talking about really kind of that we won't lose heart when we have trials. It says, we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. We look to not what is seen, but the unseen, right? The whole idea here is that this person receives, but there is no longevity. And the key and the, the, really the secret to longevity is just roots. And here the passage is reminding us that we will not lose heart. There will be longevity when our focus daily, we are being renewed by focusing on Jesus, which is unseen, and the kingdom things as opposed to the circumstances around us. You know, one of the guys that comes to mind when we talk about longevity is Billy Graham, right? This is him preaching, and you guys all know him. Uh, he just did God's work until he was about in his late 90s. And so here, he, this is what he says. He says, being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It is a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. The Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh God, forgive me or help me. See, what he's saying here is the secret to longevity is a right relationship with Jesus. It's the daily renewal of walking, and that's what brings longevity. So you focus on the unseen as opposed to the trials or the temptations or the difficulties because they will come. Third, the seed and the thorns. It's the distracted hearer, right? Luke 8, 7 says this, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Jesus explains this by saying what? And as for what, in verse 14, fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares, pay careful attention to this, cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. This is the thorny soil, because there are distractions, right? They want the best of both worlds. They have Jesus, but there are all sorts of things that they want to run to that's earthly. Um, we're studying the life of King Solomon. And this past week with the men, and we're going to study it with the women, we were studying Ecclesiastes chapter 2, where he talks about all the things that he's tried in the world, and they amount to nothing. And he says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity or meaningless and a striving after wind. Which means really it's like a goal you can't attain. You can never catch it. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. The Bible is very clear. It doesn't condemn riches. It doesn't condemn being you know, caught up in trying to get a job and trying to take care of the family, it never condemns that. But if that becomes the main drive and focus in your life, you will not find satisfaction. You will never, ever get to a point where you will be, what, happy or satisfied. Uh, I want to show you a video clip. I found this to be very interesting. Someone posted it, so I thought it was very interesting. These are a bunch of celebs who kind of made it, and they kind of share what, and they're not Christian, they kind of share their thoughts on kind of some of the things that they've experienced once they've kind of made it. Take a look. When How I Met Your Mother first went on the air, I ran into an actress that I uh, knew, and she said, are you just like so happy all the time? Why am I unhappy? Okay. 
Okay, so Stephanie Gaga hybrid person. Why are you unhappy? Why is it that you want to quit music? And I remember thinking like, oh, that sitcom's coming. Like that sitcom, it's coming, it's coming. And when I got it, I mean, I won't say it was a depression, but you kind of go through a disappointment because it can't, it, that fame or that thing didn't satisfy the way you thought it was going to satisfy. I had bought into the not uncommon notion that when I taste success, when I get over there, then I'll be happy. But the strangest thing happened. As the show got more successful, I got more depressed. I thought it would be good to be rich and famous. It would be good to be the opposite of this. It would be good to have stuff. It would be good to have money. It would be good to be invited to the party. Well, I've been invited. I've been in. We're having this chat in a private Swish members club in East London. It's super cool. There's bare brick walls. Everyone's double good looking. But I've been inside now. I've seen the other side of the looking glass. It's not good. It's Don't feed your soul. I still feel empty inside. I had everything a man could want, even then. I had, I was a millionaire. I had a beautiful, beautiful women in my life. I had um, cars, a house, an incredible, uh, a solid gold career, and, and a future. And yet, on a daily basis, I wanted to commit suicide. As a Beatle, we made it, and there was nothing to do. We had money, we had uh, fame, and there was no joy. If you are looking for fame to define you, then you will never be happy and you will always be searching for happiness and it, you will never find it in fame. I was surrounded by all this wealth and all this fame and all this power and yet they were all miserable and I had never been more miserable. See, we all know this, right? We all know this. But for some, something within us, it's kind of that whole Adam and Eve thing. They had everything in the garden. But what do they think? Hey, that one thing, man. Like they had every, and it's like this, this notion like maybe God is holding out on me. Maybe there's something that will actually make me happier. And see here, this is a person that gets the word, hears it, but now all of a sudden they're divided and distracted because simply they want the cares, the money, the riches and the pleasures of life. And Solomon is trying to warn us. This isn't the Bible. You don't even need a video. The Bible is clearly saying, look, it's meaningless. You're going to end up at the end of the day and say, that's not where it's at. Um, I want to read another verse. 1 Timothy 6, 9 says this. But to those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, right? Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many tanks. It's like these simple distractions. They become bigger than it should be, right? Money's not bad, but here, what is it saying? The love, this desire, this craving. And all of a sudden, everything else becomes secondary. You have no time for family. You have no time for church. You have no time to read. You have no time to pray. And all of a sudden, you find yourself having wandered away. This is the third seed. The fourth is this, a seed on the fertile soil. This is the responsive here. It says in verse 8, And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. 
Jesus explains this by saying, as for that in the good soil, there are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. I want you to just kind of pay attention to four kind of phrases there. First one is hold on. That means to hold tightly, right? To not just to hear it and just to let it go, but to really dearly hold on to the word of God. Colossians says to let the word of God dwell in us richly and to care about it and want to fight to have the word of God in our lives. The word honest there, it means to be genuine, right? To hold on to it with genuine faith, right? And a good and upright faith. And I love this last part, bearing fruit with patience, meaning that you need to know that as you walk in this life, it's not gonna be always this kind of this radical conversion, it's just gonna take time. Sometimes we read the Bible and we think to ourselves, I got nothing out of it. Have you ever done that? Like you read the Bible and you're like, that might have been a waste of my time. (laughs) I, I don't know what I got out of that. I think we need to patiently endure and to know that in the long run, the word of God will soak in and we hold on tightly and that's the fertile soil. I like what Daryl Bach says, he said this, some would argue that since the last three soils accepted the seed and since it had started or stated about the seed on the rocky soil that they believed for a while, these all are saved. Only the first category is lost, but clearly Jesus gives no encouragement or comfort to any except those in the fourth category. The reason why Daryl says this is this. He's saying be the fourth seed, okay? Sometimes we think, well, they're saved, so maybe that's good enough. Yeah, I mean, in the big picture, yeah, they'll make it to heaven, I guess, but you don't know. You know, the the idea here is be the fourth seed. Jesus doesn't bring up these four so you could say, well, maybe I'm in the third, so I'm actually better than the first. No, he's saying be the fourth. Be the fertile soil. Hear the word of God to hold on to it dearly with an upright and genuine faith and to hold on to it with longevity. Francis Schaeffer, he was a biblical author, missionary. He said this, we either live in the categories and perspectives of the world around us or we live in the categories and perspectives of this book. We live in this book, talking about the Bible, or we live in the world. This was a man, uh, people would quote, he would always have his Bible with him. You know how we always have our iPhones or our phones? It's like that with him. He would literally always have his Bible. And every time he had a moment, they would note that he would just open his Bible, not because it was the best thing or the right thing or the religious thing, but he just, that's what his heart wanted. And he talked about how that takes time to develop in your life. You might not start there, but as you live in the word of God, it will start to transform you and you will become that fertile soil that God desires you to be. My prayer is that we would not only desire that, but we would pray for that, we would seek that, and we would try to discipline our lives in a way where we cut the distractions and we pursue the word of God, that it would transform our hearts. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you for your word, and we wanna hold to it dearly, tightly. There are a lot of distractions around us, God. And maybe we've even convinced ourselves that we don't really need the word of God in our daily life. But, oh, how we need you, God. We need you to speak into our hearts and our lives. 
to take us through that daily renewal each and every day. So help us to listen and to hear and to take what you have for us in your word and to persevere in it, God. We thank you so much for today and may bear fruit, God, your seed in your church. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys.